the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report. Today, this is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stalnecker. Very glad to have you joining me today. And today I want to talk about something that you are well aware is happening, even if you haven't said it exactly this way. Uh, The topic today is the breakdown of our institutions, the breakdown of our institutions. As a nation, what we're seeing right now is a concerted effort to undermine and break down the institutions that we have long held to be valuable and important. Really, we could say it this way, the institutions that make America what it is. And we are watching those institutions, again, deliberately be undermined, eroded, and in so many ways destroyed. We're seeing it everywhere. We're watching the institutions of the family and the institutions of government and the institutions of the church uh, be destroyed one brick at a time. What was once normal is no longer normal. What we once all commonly held in terms of belief is no longer common. Things have been turned completely upside down, all on its head. And when I say things, I use the word things because that's the only word I can come up with. Everything, it seems, has been turned upside down. Norms are no longer norms. When I start this show every day or every, uh, every time we have an episode three times a week, uh, I start it by saying we are trying to give you the information uh, you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And to say culture is changing, even though we say it's ever-changing, it's always changing, uh, really is an understatement. Culture has so, so rapidly changed, so quickly changed, that it can be really hard to figure out and to understand. I want to talk about this for a few minutes today because I think we need to identify the fact that our institutions are under attack. They are, they are breaking down, but it, it's, it's not because of age. It's not because of wear and tear. They're breaking down because there are outside forces and outside influences that are working to tear them down. I want to, though, go back to the beginning and start with an understanding of important institutions, where they came from and why they're important. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of My Slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the My Slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. 
Made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. As a Christian, uh, I go to the Bible for my worldview. And if you're a Christian listening to this, uh, I hope that you do the same. You should hold a biblical worldview. That is, you look at the world through the lens of the Bible. You allow the Bible to filter how you feel about things and what you think about things and how you respond to things. Very, very important. If you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, you may be conservative. If you're listening to this, certainly you are, but you're not a Christian. That's okay too. Hear me out. I'm going to do my best uh, to break this down. Uh, We're told in the Bible, that is in the Old Testament of the Bible, the first half of the Bible, that God created. In the beginning, God. That's what the first verse of uh, the first chapter in the Bible says. In the beginning, God created. Then it goes into all of the things that He created. He created uh, the sky, and He created uh, the the earth that we're on, and the water, and everything in it. He, he, he talks about all of that in Genesis chapter 1. You can read all of the verses. Um, excellent reading. Very interesting. Historical accounting from God. We see creation taking place. Uh, we know that after he separated the, the light from the darkness, after, after he separated the sea from uh, the dry ground, after he did those things, he created plants and then he created animals. And eventually we find that he created man, mankind. The Bible says that he created man in his own image. This is Uh, Such a significant point, theologically speaking, that is, in our understanding of God. He created us in the image of God. He created us eternally. He created us with purpose, with meaning, with value, with a soul. He created us to be a reflection on this earth of who He is. Oh man, what a great truth that is. This truth or understanding, again, if we take a biblical worldview, informs how we feel about so many things. If we believe that we are created in the image of God, how we feel about things like abortion, the life issue, uh, would reflect that. Destroying life is a destruction of the image of God on this earth. And we need to understand that. How we care for people, human people created in the image of God, uh, that should be reflected in our understanding of the fact that we were created by God. God created man and then... He created woman and he brought them together in the first institution given to us in Scripture, given to us by God, the institution of the family. In Genesis chapter 2, we see what we might call a wedding, whether it was a wedding or not. It's a wedding. It was a bringing together of a man and a woman in what we call holy matrimony, a oneness relationship. The two became one, the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 2. That was the first institution given to us. It's interesting because as God brought Adam and Eve together, those two becoming one, He told them to be fruitful and multiply. The plan was, by God the Creator, the plan was that the family, consisting of a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, would produce children, and that they would raise those children. In the New Testament, we're told that we are to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to raise our kids in a way so they would honor God with their lives and get married and have kids and continue this process. That's the first institution given to us by God. We know elsewhere throughout Scripture that the institution of the church 
was given to us by God. In the New Testament, the book of Acts, Jesus, who had been on this earth, who had died and risen again, spent time with his disciples. He then uh, instructed them to go into the whole world. He ascended into heaven. And shortly after that took place, we find this recorded in Acts chapter 2, the church, the local church, a local body of believers, a called out assembly, the ecclesia is found. The church established by God. The church was to serve as a place where Christians, believers, could come together and they could encourage one another and they could edify and build up one another. They could learn together. They could support one another. They could fulfill the purpose they were given by God together in local assemblies around the world. We could spend a whole episode just talking about that. The second institution given to us by God, the local church. First institution, the family. Second institution, the church. The third institution we see is uh, what we might call local government or government. The Bible talks about this often. The Apostle Paul spent a great deal of time talking about government and our relationship to government, established by God as answerable, answerable to God. Romans chapter 13, an often misquoted and misunderstood chapter. But we are told to be responsible to those who have the authority over us because they are responsible to God. Now, wouldn't it be great if those we see in government leading understood their responsibility to God? We don't see that often today, but that was God's design, His intent. Three institutions given to us by God. We find this in the Bible. The institution of the family, the institution of the church, and the institution of government given to us by God. Now, let me ask you a question. When we look at the institutions that are breaking down in our society, what institutions are we talking about? (laughs) Now, we could talk about local schools. We could talk about a lot of other, I guess, institutions. But really, uh, where are those who are seeking to break down the institutions that are important in our society? Where are they focusing Uh, I'll pause so you can think for a second. Where are they focusing? They're focusing on the family. They're focusing on the church. And they're focusing on our government, governments, the established leadership over our nation. And by the way, I can acknowledge that the New Testament was not written to Americans. (laughs) So when we talk about the role of governors, those who govern over us, society, organized, with authority. I'm not talking about American government. I'm talking about leadership. The undermining of our institutions is focused on undermining the institutions given to us by God. I want to give some history on this and talk about this a little bit more as we go along. But we need to start with this, with this understanding. So much of this, these conversations that we have and conversations related to the breakdown of our society, the breakdown of our culture and how things are shifting, are not connected to an opinion or a political position or what we think society should look like or how we believe culture should act and respond. These are conversations about what God intended. 
And again, even if you don't agree with me on what the Bible says, and that's okay, you don't have to agree with me. We know that these institutions reflect something bigger than us. Why is it that in the United States, we've had so much success as a nation for the period of time that we've been given the opportunity to experience the freedom that our founders established for us? We've had our problems. We've certainly had our ups and our downs. But why is it? Why is it that America has experienced unprecedented growth and unprecedented strength for the number of years that we have when so many countries around the world have struggled in ways that we would not even imagine because we value the family or have traditionally. We valued the church or have traditionally. And we have held in high regard political office or We have, traditionally. And when we do things the way that God wants us to do them, in the way that God desires for them to be done, there will be blessing. It's the natural consequence of doing things the way the Creator wanted them to be done. And so, when we see the institutions being torn down or broken down, when we see this direct attack on the institutions that we hold dear and that we hold uh, valuable, please understand, there is a much more sinister agenda than the one that we can understand. The attack on the family, the attack on the home. This is, uh, as I'm recording this, Pride Month here in the United States, um, where we are celebrating a sexual orientation, or orientations, as the case may be. We're celebrating that. It's crazy to me. But we're celebrating that. And we're seeing in so many places a direct attack on the family, where God says that a family is comprised of a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, and their children. Uh, We are being told that that is absolutely antiquated, it's outdated, it's unnecessary. And yet that is God's plan for so many reasons, not to mention that is where children come from and where societies continue to advance is from the family. It's in homes where there is a strong father that can raise young men to lead, that we find leaders in culture and in society. It is where a mother is able to nurture that we see health in the context of a family, and yet we're being told that a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, are not necessary, undermining God's intention for that institution. We're seeing now, even this month, as we talk about sexual orientations and gender identity, we're seeing really, literally, uh, children under attack. It's amazing so many of the things we thought were norms, like not talking about sexual uh, things and sexual content with children. Now, that's off the table. We do that now, apparently. As evil as it is, it's happening, and it's happening out in the open, undermining that institution. We see churches that once stood strong and once uh, led the way for culture getting in line with so much that's happening. Churches that should hold to the Bible and understand what the Bible says about sexuality, about gender, about these issues that are important to us, now simply reflecting as a mirror what's happening in society. Truth no longer being communicated. Politicians, and I'll give some statistics here later, but politicians trusted at an alarmingly low rate. (laughs) We vote, we talk about politics, we say we think it's important, and yet 
at an abysmal rate do we trust even the people that we elect to represent us. We're in a bad, bad place. And why this is important to me is not because I live in the United States and I want everyone to do things the way we've done them, or or because I am stuck somewhere in the past and I think that things shouldn't change. Things always change. They evolve. But I believe that a strong home and a strong church and a strong understanding of what it is to lead in society is absolutely essential if we're going to continue to grow and develop as a nation, and yet we're seeing these institutions attacked everywhere. I want to read a few things as we continue uh, hopefully understanding this. This is one of those conversations where my goal is to help us understand it. Why it's important? Well, because these institutions were given to us by God. And if we hold to those institutions and we elevate those institutions and we make those institutions strong, then we'll continue to uh, experience the consequence of doing things the way God wants us to do them. That's why. That's also why it's being attacked. But what we also need to understand is how it's happening, what it all means. Um, There is an article here from Wiley.com, the online library of Wiley.com, and uh, I don't know a lot about this online library, but there's an article here by Corey Keyes entitled Social Civility in the United States. Social Civility in the United States. Isn't that an interesting topic for right now? Here's the abstract of the article. The existence of social civility is explored in terms of the components of social responsibility, social concern, and social involvement. Responsibility, concern, and involvement. Wow. Social civility is viewed as consisting of the degree to which people have a sense of duty or obligation to society, the extent of their concern for the welfare of others as well as themselves, and whether they help others through voluntary activities. I'm going to say that again. This is kind of the heart of this article. It says, Civil civility is viewed as consisting of the degree to which people have a sense of duty or obligation to society. And let me pause there. Isn't our society so selfish? (laughs) It's so self-focused. There is no ability even to have a conversation about something we disagree with. Why? Because it's all about me. I don't want to hear your point of view. But civility is viewed as the degree to which people have a duty or obligation to society, the extent of their concern for the welfare of others as well as themselves, and whether they help others through voluntary activities. This article describes the level and distribution of the components of civil society, uh, of social civility, rather, in the population. Data from 1995, random digit dialing sample of U.S. adults between the ages of 25 and 74. The findings fail to support the hypothesis of social incivility in the U.S. Isn't that interesting? This goes back to 1995. Um, they were trying to prove that society was incivil, yet they couldn't find it. Adults report high levels of social responsibility and invest a great deal of thought and effort into their life and their contribution to others' welfare. Social civility is found to be higher among more educated, married, female, and older adults. Regular religious attendance, which predicts greater social civility, mediates the relationship of the key demographic variables with social civility. Now, here's a point I want to make. 
this article, these, this study, these researchers, their, their goal was to prove that our society is incivil. And yet what they concluded after doing this research was that most American adults report high levels of social responsibility and invest in their own lives and the welfare of others. And where this was found the highest, this social civility, this desire to contribute to society was among those who were educated, married, female, older adults, and who were regular religious attenders. They went to church regularly. Check this out. 1995, the study found that those who are in community, (laughs) those who are married, and those who go to church are more prone to contributing to culture and society who are strong in this area of social civility because they are contributing. Isn't that interesting? 1995, a lot has changed since then, including the undermining, the breakdown of our institutions. Is it any wonder then, when we break down the family, we tear apart communities, We undermine the church. Is it any wonder then that there is such a lack of civility in our modern day and age? There's another great article here from the Brookings Institution. It's entitled, Is Civil Society Obsolete? Revisiting Predictions of the Decline of Civil Society in Who's Keeper. That's a previous article. I want to read a few things here because it's just, it's so interesting and it's, um, I think, really helpful for us to get these perspectives. The article begins this way, revivified during the 1980s. How do you like that as an opening statement? Revivified. During the 1980s, after a long period of dormancy, the concept of civil society, those forms of communal and associational life, which are organized neither by the self-interest of the market nor by the coercive potential of the state, introduced considerable fresh air into both the theory and practice of contemporary societies. For activists, especially Eastern European dissidents struggling against communist dictatorships, civil society offered a language of volunteerism and freedom. And for social scientists and political theorists everywhere, civil society served as a reminder that even in the modern world, there was more to social life than political economy. While no one doubts the power of private companies and public government, families, neighborhoods, voluntary organizations, and spontaneous political movements nonetheless survive and, on occasion, could assume dramatic importance. This section of the article goes on, but it's talking about this revitalized, revivified, as it says, understanding of what it means to be a part of society, civil society, community, And what does it talk about here? It talks about people coming out of communist dictatorships, away from countries, away from societies that did not value the home, did not value the church, and certainly were not righteous leaders in the context of the the political arena. They came to the United States, and there was a resurgence, a spontaneous movement, it says, that led to... Uh, the cohesion in these areas. But this article then goes on. Some ideas fail because they never make the light of day. The idea of civil society, many, many critics charged, failed because it became too popular. One hears this, most, uh, this mostly among academics who rightly, if often in 
intemperately, I can read, it just doesn't sound like it, but I really can, intemperately see it as their mission to question any received or conventional wisdom. For Gene Cohen, who, with Andrew Arato, wrote a massive tome tracing the intellectual history of civil society, the concept that originated out of Hegelian philosophy is inevitably corrupted and cheapened when American politicians try to use it in their speeches. Along similar lines, Adam Seligman argues for the inadequacy of the idea of civil society as a solution to contemporary impasses. Modern life, Seligman writes, requires ways in which large-scale impersonal societies can generate trust among strangers, but civil society implies small-scale worlds of personal relationships that are what Seligman calls pre-sociological in nature. Civil society, from his perspective, is an anachronism. Again, this section then continues as well. There was this idea, this resurgence of community. And yet politicians took that and began using it for their own purposes, their purpose with, uh, with which was to get elected and to control the people that they supposedly represented, and it became nothing meaningful. A more valuable, as I continue to read, more valuable criticism of the idea of civil society is that writers like Putnam and me, who make the case that civil society has declined, have our facts wrong. Implicit in this criticism is not just the question of whether soccer leagues are an effective replacement for bowling leagues or whether television is the culprit for declining rates of civic engagement. Rather, moral and political worldviews clash where the institutions of civil society are presumed to exist. I'm going to read that last sentence again. Moral and political worldviews clash where the institutions of civil society are presumed to exist. For many feminists, for example... The whole idea that civil society is in decline can be interpreted as part of the backlash against women's entry into the workforce, since it was women historically who assumed the burdens of family and communal life. This article goes on, but it's amazing as it breaks down how an understanding even of culture has changed. And as an understanding of culture has changed, blame for the failures that have existed historically are placed on different not only organizations, but groups of people, and has continued to change. I want to read the last part of this article. Civil society, in short, is not obsolete. It never can be. Without a realm of associational and communal life, independent of the market and the state, we cannot experience the richness of citizenship and the rewards of personal and group responsibility. But one term in the discussion of civil society is, or ought to be, obsolete, and that is the notion of decline. We ought to abolish from our language uh, dealing with social institutions and practices a way of thinking which compares the present with some mythic past, as well as some hopeful future. What we need when we talk about society is not a sense of the worlds we have lost. We need to live in the world we have as best we can. So long as that is the case, civil society will always be around and can always be improved. That's a very optimistic view, I believe, that civil society will always be around and will always be improved. But the beginning of the end, (laughs) the last sentence, or the first sentence rather on this last The paragraph, civil society is not obsolete, it never can be. Without a realm of associational and communal life, independent of the market and the state, we cannot experience the richness of citizenship and the rewards of personal and group responsibility. This article, great article, 
uh, from the Brookings Institution concludes that without an understanding of a civil society and community apart from the market, corporations, and the state, the government, will never fully live. That's an incredible thought. And yet today we're being told that it is the corporate world that's driving the agenda, and in so many ways it is, and that politicians will use what power they have, the authority that they have, to get us to do what they want us to do, which largely is succumbing to what the corporations are dictating. And this article so aptly says that we need to get away from both if we want to truly live. As the institutions break down, so too does our ability to enjoy the richness of life that God created us to live. And yet it's happening. We could say that it's happening, again, as I've asserted earlier, for spiritual reasons, there is a spiritual warfare taking place that seeks to break down these institutions that reflect God in an orderly society. But I believe the vehicle that's being used often is our media. My admonition in all of this, if I could make one, is that we need to be very careful about the media that we consume. I talk about this a lot. Be very careful about the media that we consume. And do our best to fully understand issues. Uh, to not simply accept one person's opinion or one person's view as uh, the gospel or law. But to ask questions. I use the phrase often, we need to get beneath the headlines and figure out what's actually happening. Because in so many ways, we're being manipulated by media against the family and against the church and certainly against an understanding of what good governance actually looks like. There's another article from Thrive Global. The author is Athar Bhatt. The title of the article is Positive and Negative Effects of Social Media on Politics. Uh, man, some things we just have to understand. The political scene, he says, has changed to, consider, to a considerable amount over the most recent few decades. The web has played a vital role in this change. Social sites, specifically, are pres uh, presently a, gen a genuine factor in political crusades and in the manner individuals consider issues. Now, I, I need to stop and make a point here. When we talk about social media, we often separate social media from the media, like we think of you know, network television or network news. That's the media. And then there's social media. Social media is for playing around, for posting pictures, for interacting with strangers. And then there's the media. We need to get away from that thinking. We need to understand it's all media and it's all designed to manipulate the way that we think. Good or bad, positive or otherwise, uh, it's intended to really manipulate our process of thinking, how we consume information and what we think about that information, the conclusions that we come to, how we share that with other people, how we live our lives. That's the purpose of media. Uh, news network, television is media. Commercials, 
television shows, movies, it's all media, and all of it has an agenda. Social media, <laughs> big big bucket there, social media. Uh, we used to talk about Facebook, and then it was Facebook and Twitter, and then Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and now it's a thousand other things. It's all media. It all has a purpose. Some of it you can I- interact with a little bit better, but it all has a purpose. And as this article um, begins, it has played a vital role in changing the political landscape. A couple of reasons given here. News any time of the day. It, get off your phones. <laughs> that was my commentary. Let me, let me read what he says here. One of the manners in which online life has changed governmental issues is the sheer speed at which news, survey results, and gossips are shared. While in the past days, individuals needed to sit uh, sit tight for the following paper or TV news shows to get the most recent data. Online news is day in and day out, uh, uh, day out wonder. Social sites have made this a stride further. He goes on. Uh, this is such an important point. Receiving news not only at any time of the day, but all day is just not healthy. We need to have margin in our lives where we can process what's going on, not only in the news cycle, but in our lives. And yet this is being fed to us all of the time. Uh, Another reason, he says, is the impact of polls. Political campaigns are an essential piece of each battle. They are regularly befuddling in light of the fact that you can frequently discover numerous polls with opposing outcomes posted on the same day. Similarly, as with different kinds of political news, the web has enormously expanded the number of survey polls we see every day. Social media has quickened this significantly more. Not only do these websites report the poll outcomes, but you can also take part in Facebook surveys. Uh, One more uh, kind of some commentary from me, I guess, is this. Uh, When we look at polls and the impact that polls have, please understand that the information you're being fed is being communicated to you because someone is polling groups of people and figuring out what you want to hear or how you want to hear it so they can feed you what feels right to you. Uh, Again, not all, well, I guess all manipulation might be bad, (laughs) but not all agenda is bad. But when manipulation enters, um, there's something there. Don't forget that. Um, Targeting, this is another one. Focusing on uh, focusing on is utilized all through the pub, uh, publicizing business. Man, reading is just, it's hard. I'm struggling today. Uh, the publicizing business to ensure that advertisements reach the correct group of users. Government officials do this also. In the period of social media, uh, political leaders and individuals pursuing positions can focus on their promotions. Is there any wonder you get the news that you get? You're connected to the people you're connected to. Why? Because of targeting. There are algorithms. There are math uh, problems (laughs) that communicate to computer software what you want to see, what you are interested in. Do you want to be mad all the time? You're going to get mad, angry stuff all the time. You want to be mellow all the time? You want to follow sports figures? You want to listen to music? What is it that you want? They're going to serve it up to you because they know that's what you want. Very sophisticated algorithms are communicating that to very sophisticated programs that are giving you exactly what you need to hear. It's targeting. You're being targeted. Uh, This is not the newspaper that's going out to all people equally, and you can draw your own conclusions. This is being fed to you. Another reason given here is confirmation bias. One of the concealed powers that work via online media is confirmation bias. 
This is particularly incredible with regard to dubious topics, including political issues. In case you are just like the vast majority, most of your companions via social media presumably share your viewpoint. This implies most by far of tweets or Facebook posts you read on these sites. Again, that goes to targeting. That targeting targets your confirmation bias, what you believe, so that you can believe it more because now you have data. Where did this come from? Must have gone to everyone. It did not. It went to people just like you. And this article goes on, great article on the impact of media. But media is manipulating us. That's the tool that's being used to undermine these institutions. And if we're not careful, we're receiving information, we're receiving data, we're receiving media targeted to us with an underlying agenda to get us to do things as it relates to these institutions. Um, We've had this discussion even on this show. But why is it that so many people are just going along with the Pride Month stuff that's happening right now? Corporations are going along with it. People are going along with it. Many of whom don't even agree with what it stands for, what it means. Why do we go along with it? Because we're targeted with media that communicates to us that everyone in the world (laughs) believes that this is okay, that this is right, and we need to go along with it. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. We need to be very careful to understand that that's what's happening, that we're being manipulated, and that the goal in all of that is to undermine these very important institutions for agendas outside of even our purview or our understanding. The last uh, article I want to point out is from the Daily Beast, which again is not a conservative newspaper by any means or or website by any means. Um, But talking about the um, undermining or underpinning of the norms of our institutions, let me begin reading. Joe Biden's presidency may be a lot of things, but a restorer of norms and institutions it is not. Um, That's a great opening line (laughs) from someone that would support Joe Biden or from an organization that would support Joe Biden. Take, for example, Biden's willingness to embrace the kind of Orwellian language that justifies spending unprecedented amounts of money simply by deeming things to be infrastructure, or his misrepresenting the Georgia voter law and referring to it as Jim Crow. In a recent Washington Post opinion piece, Gabriel Sterling, the Georgia elections official who heroically stood up to Donald Trump, pleaded with Biden to tone down his rhetoric, writing, someone is going to get hurt. Your words matter. The facts matter. Now get this. The article is saying this guy who heroically stood up to Donald Trump, we know then where they're coming from, is also pushing back on President Biden. 
The article goes on, Biden's rhetoric is not normal or fine, but he's had space to do this as many Americans understandably applaud a president whose speeches don't end with supporters scaling the walls of the Capitol and beating cops with American flags. Again, (laughs) the bias here is out in the open. No one's pretending to be a conservative or pretending that conservatism is okay. And yet, even with that position, the one that I just read, It's still understood by the author of this article on the Daily Beast that we are not only being manipulated, but our institutions are being undermined and destroyed. Biden's penchant for redefining words also comes at a time that his party is pushing court packing, adding new states, and nuking the filibuster. Um, This article goes on and on. I won't read all of it, but I think it's just so fascinating that even those who support leftist agendas are people that recognize, at least to some degree, that our institutions that were once important have been so destroyed that the very foundation and fabric of our culture is being destroyed. People that would once have pushed an agenda, have pushed an idea or an ideology, a philosophy, have said and are now saying, maybe we've gone too far. It's interesting, many people on the left and the right are asking the question, can we get back from where we are? Can we get back to where we were? And even though we may not agree on how far back, (laughs) the question is, where do we go from here? When we talk about a culture that is changing quickly, we have to understand that the breakdown of our institutions is not something unique to us as Americans. But it is something that if left unchecked will change what it means to be an American. God gave us three institutions. He gave us the home or the family. He gave us the church. He gave us local governments. And there is an all-out assault right now on all three. Be very careful to recognize this, to live your values, to teach those values to your kids so they can grow up and carry those forward for the rest of us. Be diligent to consume good, clear, honest media, to think for yourselves, to get under the headlines, to stand up for what you believe in, and to move forward in a meaningful, deliberate way. Appreciate you sticking with me. I hope that was an encouragement to you. Um, Some of these things are encouraging in kind of a weird upside-down way. We need to be encouraged by recognizing it, by understanding that others also recognize it, and then by using it as a call to action. I hope this helped you along those lines. If you're not yet subscribed to the show, please do subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or go over to YouTube. You can find our channel there, and uh, we'd love to join you there. Look for The Situation Report. Find the channel. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell, and uh, we'd love to, uh, to meet you there. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.